Does anyone here have allergies? I heard someone sniffle just now. That was unplanned, but that's great. Uh, allergies can range from minor allergies that'll just give you a little sniffle or maybe cause your eyes to water sometimes to major allergies that'll start choking up your throat and preventing you from breathing. Allergies aren't something to mess around with. And there seems to be more and more allergies these days from dogs, cats, pollen, trees, grass, sun, peanuts, gluten, you name it. There's probably an allergy around there somewhere. Anywhere there's people, you'll probably find some with an allergy. There's a lot in just this little room right in here. But it's making people more conscious of whether or not they have pets in their home, what kind of food they can serve for guests, or what kind of snacks to pack for kids' lunches at schools. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's good to be aware of them. It's a simple and sometimes not so simple way that we can love our neighbor and put our neighbor's needs before our own. In our text this morning, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he tells them to beware the leaven of the Pharisees. His disciples don't have some kind of gluten allergy or allergy to yeast. But he's warning them of what the leaven, what the leaven of the Pharisees will do to them. He's warning them about their teaching and their lifestyle. He identifies it in verse 1 of chapter 12 in Luke for us. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. How does that leaven manifest itself in the everyday lives of the disciples? Our text for this morning points it out for us. I invite you to stand and follow along as I read Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 12. Reading in Jesus' name. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Father God, these are your words. Your word is truth. We pray, Lord, that you would sanctify us in your truth here this morning. Lord, open our eyes to see the ways that your word is correcting our own lives. Help us to submit to you in your will and all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Do you ever change your behavior depending on who is with you? You act one way in front of your kids and another way when your kids aren't around? Or maybe you act a certain way amongst a certain group of friends. As a pastor, I'm conscious of my actions. And I always want to be a good example for a minister of the gospel. And so I'm always thinking of what other people are thinking and how my actions come across. But when I'm in my car and when I'm in a big city, no one knows me. No one knows that I'm a pastor. And when someone cuts in front of me, I don't want to be a pastor anymore, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. And yet, 
there's a little fish emblem on the back of my van, and I realize I can't do what I want to do right now. And in my car, we've got some stickers on it, so people know my car, so I can't do what I really want to do. And that's probably a good thing. But there are times when we're surrounded by other peoples, and our actions are reflected on who we're with. If we're with one crowd, we act one way. And if we're with another crowd, we act another way. And sometimes we can find hypocrisy in our own lives. In verses 4 through 5, Jesus is teaching his disciples here not to fear what people think. Jesus is teaching his disciples here not to worry about what people will say and do to them as they hold fast his confession. The disciples were about to be tested. Jesus knew his death and his resurrection was coming around the corner. What will his disciples do when Jesus is gone? Will they go back to their old ways or will they continue to act the same way? as though Jesus was still in their presence? Would they proclaim the gospel, or would they bend by all the pressures of the world to silence the gospel? Jesus says, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus is asking a simple question here. Who are you more afraid of? Are you more afraid of man, who the worst they can do is, is kill your body, is take away your life? Now granted, there are many horrible ways to die, and they can prolong it to make it utterly miserable for you, but it's temporary, and at some point, it will end. And God says, are you afraid of them? Don't be afraid of them. All they can do is kill the body. But I'll tell you who to be afraid of. Be afraid of the one who after you're dead has the authority to cast you into hell. The one who has authority to cast into hell is the Lord. And the word hell isn't used here in this text. If you look in your Bibles, you'll see it there, but the word that's used is Gehenna. Gehenna is a physical, real place. It was a real place outside of Jerusalem. That was the place where the Israelites used to sacrifice their children to pagan gods. That's the place where it was since used to burn garbage. And it was always constantly burning. And it stunk. It was a place that reminded people of the abomination of when you don't serve the Lord. It's a place of burning garbage where the fire does not end. And so it became synonymous with hell. Because hell is also a place where the fire does not end. Hell is also a place for those, well, it's originally for the demons and Satan and his angels. But for those who reject Christ, that's where they end up. Never to die, but in eternal torment. When you put that into perspective, who do you fear most? What do you fear most? Man who can only temporarily harm your body or the one who can eternally harm your soul? It makes it a lot easier to make that decision. Jesus tells his disciples not to fear man, but to fear God more than man, and to stay true to him, that when Jesus leaves this earth, that his disciples will remain true to him and not live a double life, not go back to the way they lived before. The time would soon come for these disciples to be tested. And when that time comes, will they act in the fear of man? Will they act in the fear of God? Jesus gives them something else to consider. God knows 
everything. In verses 6 and 7, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. God knows when the sparrows come and go. God knows each situation that comes in your life as well, and he never leaves you through those things. He's still there to comfort you. And this was to be a comfort from the, for them. But also, God knows everything, even our deepest, darkest secrets. He knows the things that we try to hide from everyone else. He knows our own hypocrisy. He knows our sin. He sees it even when we think no one else sees it. He sees it when we know no one else sees it. This isn't a divine blackmailing that's going on here, but it's to get the disciples to think. Should they shrink back from proclaiming this truth and confessing this truth that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ and should they give up that forgiveness in Christ for a little protection from man? Should they hold fast to that forgiveness in Christ from protection eternally from the wrath of a holy and just God? The leaven of the Pharisees would have us fear men more than we fear God. To act a certain way when you're around the religious people. And you can act a different way when you're at home. Jesus says, beware and fear God. This leaven has another aspect. The leaven of the Pharisees says that Jesus isn't who he says he is. Jesus isn't who he declares himself to be. And so beware of anyone and anything that declares that Jesus isn't the Son of Man. Confess Christ. Jesus challenged the establishment of the Pharisees over and over again throughout his ministry. He has a lot of harsh words towards them. He calls their bluff. He says, all your actions, all your works, all the things that you are doing, you're just whitewashed tombs. Your exterior looks beautiful, but inside it's just full of dead man's bones. There's no life inside. No matter how many coats of paint you use, you're not going to be able to fix what's inside. As Keith read from Ezekiel 36, there's only one person who can do that, and that's Jesus Christ, who puts life in dead men's souls. Yet the Pharisees continued to try to save themselves. They continued to work harder, to put this appearance before everyone else, and they rejected Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples in no uncertain terms what rejecting him does. In verses 8 through 9, he says these words, And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. The ones that continue to deny Jesus before men, Jesus will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will be cast out of his presence into hell. There's no debate, there's no argument, there's no pleading your case, that's it. You've had plenty of chances here on this life, and when our time is up, there's no more choices, there's no more chances. For the one that consistently denied Christ before men, when their time on earth is done, Christ will deny them. It's a hard word to hear, but it's a warning from Christ. So the question is, what does it mean then to confess Christ? What does it mean to confess Christ before men? First, let me tell you what it's, it's not. 
It's not having a what would Jesus do bracelet around your wrist. Those were big back when I was a kid in the 90s. And almost every kid had them. Now those things are good. They get you to think about Jesus and your, reaction, your actions and how are they pleasing to him. But that doesn't say. And that's not necessarily confessing Christ. It's not wearing a Christian t-shirt to school. It's not posting a picture of Jesus on Facebook or putting a Jesus bumper sticker on your car. That's not confessing Christ. But when we limit Christ to these things, we're missing the point. This confessing Christ is more than that. So what does it mean? Confessing Christ means to believe in Christ, to put your faith in him, to trust him at his word, to trust him with your salvation, laying all of your sins, all your fears, all your doubts, all your failures in his hands and trusting that he will take care of it, trusting in his work not our works, trusting in his life, death, and resurrection for our salvation, not our own works or our own choices. It's confessing your sins and your failures, not hiding them or covering them up. It's abiding in him. It's living for Christ, not just in the privacy of your own home, but in the, pre in the presence of men too. And it's living for Christ not just in the presence before other members of Abiding Word Lutheran Church, but in the privacy of your own home as well. It's simply living for Christ. In Sunday school, we looked at Proverbs today and the wise sayings from there, how to live a godly life here on this earth before God and before man. It's not just learning wisdom. It's acting upon it. And as we act, we confess Christ. It's living according to God's word. And when we fall short, which each one of us will and we continue to do so, it's coming back to the foot of the cross in repentance again and confessing, God, I am not good enough for this, but your son, Jesus Christ, has died for my sins and it's in him that I trust. And it's for his sake that I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And it's in Christ that we find that forgiveness Jesus says the result of this abiding in him and confessing him before men is that he will confess us before the angels of God. Meaning that when our time comes and we stand before the judgment throne of God, Jesus doesn't say, oh, that person, I don't know him. Jesus ties himself to sinful old me and says, I have redeemed him by my work, by my blood. He identifies himself with us. He confesses us before all the angels in heaven. And he says, this person is a believer. This person is holy and pure because of the work that I have done. That's what it means to confess us before the angels of God. What a trade-off. We confess Jesus before men here on this earth, and he confesses us before all the angels in heaven. Confessing Christ on this earth might bring temporary suffering, as it did for the disciples, as it did for the earliest believers, and as it does for believers in the world today. But it results in eternal glory, and it results in the forgiveness of sins as well. So confess Christ. In verse 10, we read a stern warning that catches people's attention. Jesus says this, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. 
Everyone who speaks against the Son of Man will be forgiven, Jesus says here. And Scripture is full of examples of people who spoke against Christ, who spoke against God that were restored unto salvation. Think of Peter, who denied Christ three times out of fear of what other people would do. But yet Peter went on to still be a believer. And Christ instituted him back into service as well. Think of Saul who went around persecuting believers at that time out of his zeal, condoning the stoning of Stephen. And yet he went on to become the great apostle Paul. Christ saved him. Speaking against Christ can be forgiven, but what won't be forgiven is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? And if this is truly a sin that won't be forgiven, how can I make sure that I don't do it, right? Maybe it's a thought that you've thought over the period of your life and you've wondered, maybe I've committed this sin before. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a conscious rejection of the Spirit's work of showing us that Jesus is the Christ. It's a conscious rejection of knowing that Jesus is the Savior. The Spirit's job is to call us to repentance again and again, and he does this through God's word. The Spirit's job is to apply the work of Christ to our lives. He works again through the word of God. And when people continue to ignore or reject the Spirit's work in their lives, they cut themselves off from the forgiveness that the Holy Spirit desires to bring to you, the forgiveness that Christ has already accomplished on the cross. One theologian explains it this way. He says, as long as one persists in this blasphemy, the sin will continue to be unforgiven. And if one persists in it until death, there is no more opportunity to be forgiven. The reason why this sin is unforgiven isn't because this sin is so bad, it's worse than any other sin. It's the result of this sin. When we turn the Spirit away from His working in our lives again and again and again, we harden our hearts to His working in our lives. When we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, when he tries to bring us the forgiveness of sins through the work of Jesus Christ, and we say, no, I don't want that, it's rebellion against God. And it cuts ourselves off from the only chance we have of being forgiven. And that's why it's not forgiven. The reason why this sin isn't forgiven is because the sinner rejects the forgiveness in the Spirit that the Spirit is trying to bring to you. And a note of comfort maybe to you, if you're worried that you have maybe committed this sin before in the past, the sin isn't something that you've done once and that's it. Cards are down, game over, there's no more hope for you. As the Holy Spirit continues to prick your conscience and says, maybe you have done this, confess that and find forgiveness in Christ because the Holy Spirit is still working in your conscience now. There is still time for salvation. Today is a day of salvation as the Spirit comes to work in your heart. Don't turn him away again and find that forgiveness in him. This is part of the leaven Jesus warned his disciples about. Yet the Pharisees refused to acknowledge the Spirit's work. They refused to acknowledge Jesus. They refused to acknowledge him as who he is. And they refused to accept the forgiveness found in Christ. And in their denying Christ before men, in their rejecting the Spirit's work and in their stubborn rejection, they were not forgiven because they cut themselves off from the only way they could be saved. 
Jesus warns his disciples not to be like them, but to come back to him in repentance again and again. Jesus ends this discourse with some encouragement. He says these words, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. He's saying, trust the Holy Spirit. The disciples would be brought before rulers. They would be brought before the authorities in the synagogues. They would be put on trial by the religious leaders. And here Jesus is preparing them, saying, don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit's going to give you the words to say. Do you remember who these disciples were? They're simple men. They're just your average Joe. They're uneducated men. They're fishermen. They're tax collectors. And here they are. They're going to be put on trial against the religious leaders in the day. Do they have any chance arguing against people who've dedicated their whole lives to studying God's word? By themselves, they don't. But Jesus says, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you need them. Trust in him. They have nothing to fear. And he touches back on verse 4 again, that first point. Don't fear men. Don't fear what they can do. But remember who God is. And remember what he has done. Don't leave that confession of Christ. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And not just the hypocrisy of others. Not just to call out other people for when they're living two-faced. But the hypocrisy that's lurking in our own hearts, the desire to live a comfortable life, the desire to be free of conflict. And when we acknowledge that confessing Christ before men creates conflict, that desire to be silent, that's hypocrisy. God hasn't called us to that. He has called us to testify about what he has done. He's called us to confess Christ. In those times, do we confess Christ? Or in those times, do we fear what man will do? Do we fear this conflict that's going to last only temporarily? Don't fear what man can do, but fear what denying Christ will do. And when you're tempted to be silent because you don't know what to say, trust the promise in God's word here that he will give the Holy Spirit who will teach you in what you are to say. He's going to give you the words to say when you need it. It might not be 10 hours beforehand. It might be in the very moment that you're on trial but he will provide. And when our fear gets the best of us, beware of our own hypocrisy. And don't tell yourself, ah, it's no big deal, I'll do better next time. But confess it and be forgiven in Christ. Receive the forgiveness that the Spirit brings to you in Christ today and continue to confess Christ as our Lord and Savior and find your hope and your salvation in him. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you acknowledging our own tendencies in our own hearts. God, acknowledging that so many times it's easier for us just to be silent. It's easier for us to be afraid of the conflict that standing up for you might bring. But God, your word calls us to be bold witnesses. Your word calls us to confess you. Father, help us to remember what's at stake. Help us to remember what you have done for us, sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. And it's in him and him alone that we can be forgiven. Help us never to deny this truth, Lord. 
but to confess it at all times. Father, when we do give in to fear, help us to humbly come back before you, to not turn away the Spirit when he desires to bring repentance in our lives, but to be humble, to be teachable, and to follow after you. Help us to find the forgiveness that you bring us in your word and to trust in those promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.